Hey, what's up, sports rev experts? If you're like me, you're more than likely watching the Michael Jordan documentary, uh, The Last Dance, right now on television. Um, I enjoy watching these documentaries, number one, because I love sports, um, but number two, just because I like to see some of the behind the scenes uh, work ethic and storylines that, that come about because they're, they're fascinating in my opinion. And then also I like to also look at the mindset of the individual, but then how they, they go about training and watching them play. Um, I love watching athletes move and love watching just athletes be athletic. Uh, and I think as we'll get into in the talk of this is that I think a lot of us as rehab professionals probably interject too much coaches, clinicians, um, trainers, they're all, uh, I think we're all susceptible to this where we, we coach somebody too much and we take away somebody's innate ability to be athletic. So what I want to point out today is, is some of the things I was watching Jordan do just on the documentary of how he was moving that I feel made him a great athlete. Now, obviously, he is uh, gifted beyond measures compared to the majority of individuals, um, but I think he also leaves behind clues on how he moves and how he moves his body that would help other people become more athletic. So uh, we're going to teach you some things that I think Jordan is doing that allows him to display his high level of already innate ability to be athletic. But uh, if you do these things too, you're going to notice that you'll immediately improve your athleticism just by the efficiency of your movement. But then also, secondly to that, is how that builds uh, your resiliency and capacity to play more games, play more minutes. Um, Jordan was, you know, very arguably a very uh, robust athlete and resilient athlete who played a ton of games, ton of minutes. And yeah, he had some injuries, but uh, realistically, they were uh, pretty minimal compared to a lot of other athletes' careers. So. I think how he moves and how he displays his athleticism also lends clues into teaching athletes uh, or showing athletes how they can also move to be a little bit more resilient, robust, and less prone for some type of injury to occur uh, when we're operating at this high level of performance output. Um, so first and foremost, I want to talk about uh, how Jordan was able to blow past some people. So the quickness, that first step quickness off the dribble, get by the defender. Um, what you'll notice in, in many of his moves is he uses what's called a plyo step. Now, this has been talked in the performance world a ton by uh, an individual called Lee Taft, and I'll give him a ton of credit for recognizing this. Um, it, it, it's kind of starting to become more popularized in the strength and conditioning, um, sporting coaches, and rehab clinician world, but if you're not familiar with it, you, you need to know what the plyo step is. Um, because when you watch Jordan move and when he tries to drive by a defender, he takes a step backwards before he actually goes forward. Um, and many coaches will call this a false step. Uh, I know I was told this all the time as a wide receiver in football, playing a defensive back or anything of that nature is, uh, they tell you to not take a false step. So they don't want you to move backwards before you move forward, which sounds like a good uh, theory and good idea in thought, but you're not realizing what the athlete is trying to accomplish when they take that initial backward step. Um, so when you take that initial backward step, what you're essentially doing is you're allowing yourself to get low, drop your center of mass, and get the correct angle to apply force into the ground. Um, and, and athletes just kind of do this naturally. You'll, you'll notice if you, if you stand with your feet parallel and you tell someone to sprint forward, 
the first thing that they're doing is they're gonna actually move one leg backwards. It's usually their dominant leg. They're gonna move one leg backwards to apply force into the ground so that they can then move forward. Because if you're just standing still, and again, think about two feet on the ground, standing in an athletic position, and then telling yourself to sprint forward as fast as you can, um, you're not at a very good angle to apply force into the ground to overcome inertia, to create some momentum, to accelerate quickly. So you need something to be able to drop your center of mass down, do that quickly, but then also create some potential energy and kinetic energy um, by applying force in the ground, using the stretch shortening cycle to your advantage to get some momentum out of the ground, push yourself forward faster, quicker, uh, and also because you're at a better angle. So. Jordan did this, um, again, I, I fully believe he did this without anybody ever teaching him that, but again, I think through a lot of coaching, um, clinics, uh, going to rehab um, because of an injury or having a personal trainer, uh, people who are not aware about this may actually tell individuals the wrong thing. So you need to be aware of this. So number one, we're not coaching it out of the athlete. Um, they, they, the athlete uses this innately, they should continue to use this innately because it is beneficial from a performance standpoint. Um, and secondly to that, it also is a very useful way of uh, reducing injury if done correctly. And I see this time and time again with Achilles injuries. So people who perform, perform the plyo step poorly because they're taking a strength and conditioning triple extension mindset or learned pattern into the uh, into the plyo step. So if we break the plyo step down a little bit further, what you should notice is that the knee is flexing and not straightening as the foot plants and hits the ground. So the knee is bending as the ankle, as the heel is dorsiflexing. And then when they go to go forward, the knee goes forward, it might straighten a little bit, but that's not the main emphasis of the movement. The knee goes forward as the ankle plantar flex and as the calcaneus of the heel plantar flexes. And what this does is it, it doesn't create a scenario where we're pulling or tugging on the muscle from a lengthened position from both ends and putting it in an overly stretched position. If we look at the biomechanics, of what is happening here. Again, if you, if you have the knee bent and then the ankle dorsiflexing, because the knee is bent, the gastroc, which is a two joint muscle, the gastroc will be concentrically positioned at the knee or in a shortened position at the knee because the knee is bent. And then as the individual is putting force into the ground, they're going into a little bit of that dorsiflexion, creating that stretch shortening cycle at the distal end of that Achilles. But the distal end of the Achilles is uh, creating that lengthening or eccentric contraction at that point in time, while the proximal end is in a shortened um, position to allow that distal end to lengthen a little bit more optimally. Whereas when you see people do this wrong, you'll see them uh, extend their knee simultaneously as they dorsiflex the foot. And that creates an eccentric lengthening both from the proximal and distal ends. Um, so that's where you're going to get a ton of stretch through that Achilles and it puts it at a potential risk for injury. Um, whereas we want to create an anchor point at one end of the muscle so that we can pull the rubber band or pull the muscle back at the opposite end. So that's why the knee should be flexed so it's concentrically contracted creating that anchor point at one end of the muscle while the opposite end 
dorsiflexes and puts an impulse into the ground. And then once that impulse has been received and, and we apply the direction in the opposite fashion, we're gonna shoot forward, that ankle is gonna plantar flex. And now the knee can maybe straighten a little bit, but more than likely we wanna go forward, we're trying to beat the defender. So that knee needs to go forward, not necessarily back, because if the knee goes back, then the heel is gonna have a tendency to wanna drop back down into dorsiflexion as well too, and we're not gonna be moving in the right direction. So um, we need to kind of just consider these biomechanics to look at movement, analyze movement, and see when somebody's maybe not performing a movement efficiently from a performance standpoint, but also from an like injury prevention standpoint. Again, injury prevention is, is a useful term that's impossible to achieve complete prevention, but we want to try to reduce the likelihood of somebody getting injured. And this is a, a big factor, in my opinion, when we talk about performing the plyo step effectively, because the plyo step is a necessary tool to be athletic, but there's also uh, an ideal way of performing it and a not so ideal way of performing it too. Concept number two that Jordan uses, and you, you see this in a lot of really good athletes, is the ability to utilize knee valgus to their advantage. In the physical therapy world, knee valgus gets demonized. Uh, it gets told that it's you know, a, a potential and a risk for all injuries, um, but we don't actually really look at how it can prevent injuries from occurring either. Um, and, and people can avoid knee, they can avoid injuries if they use knee valgus in an optimal fashion. Um, and then furthermore, we need to really understand what true knee valgus is because there's a lot of times when people say knee valgus occurs, but it, it's not really occurring um, the way they think it's occurring. So if, again, if we watch Jordan move, you, you can watch a ton of athletes move and you'll notice very similar things. Um, but as he goes to uh, cross somebody up, um, so one of his famous moves was when driving down the free throw line and performed a step back jumper. And when he did that, uh, there might there's a, a decent number of rehab clinicians who would say his plant leg was in knee valgus. Um, and then also his off leg, his non-plant leg was in an extreme amount of knee valgus. So there's a, a lot of rehab individuals who would say that this um, a standpoint of both legs would be uh, very bad. And the realistic answer to that is that's just completely and utterly false um, and you're not understanding what he's trying to accomplish with this movement again nobody probably taught him this movement uh, he probably just did it on his own learned on his own and just did it reflexively um, but again in today's day and age where people are overcoached, uh, I think a lot of athletes um, struggle with this type of movement um, because they're coached out of it. They're not allowed their body to just do the natural thing to avoid an injury. Um, so they put themselves into some awkward positions that doesn't allow them to perform an athletic movement. Because if you're gonna be athletic, you need to be able to utilize knee valgus. And we'll point out in a moment how Jordan would not be able to accomplish this move if he didn't use knee valgus. And that's because of his unloaded legs. So his left leg in this left to right driving scenario, you can see he offloads that left knee to allow it to drop down into a knee valgus position. This allows him the ability to drop his center of mass, which is huge. It's key to all of this, being able to drop your center of mass to be able to change directions quickly. Um, 
And the important part to remember here is this leg is not loaded, it's the off leg. So there is no reason to be concerned about this knee being in valgus. It's perfectly fine and it allows him to drop his center of mass, drop his shoulders, start leaning backwards, which then gets his shin and torso into a parallel uh, arrangement that allows him to ply a blocking leg out and reverse his direction in the opposite leg. Now, when you look at this too, you also will notice that he turns his foot. Um, his initial, initial direction is left to right. He's going across the key, but he'll turn his foot. So now it's facing in the opposite direction. So he's actually creating this abduction impulse into the ground by turning his foot. And what you'll notice with individuals is they turn their foot, their pelvis will turn with it too. So that's how you know he's avoiding knee valgus. He's just creating an abduction impulse into the ground is his foot turns and his pelvis or his midline, his zipper of the shorts is turned in parallel. Both his feet and the zipper of the shorts are facing in the same direction. His shin and his torso are moving in the same direction. And that's how we know he's avoiding knee valgus um, is because he's creating more of a lateral movement, not this knee valgus uh, extreme position that uh, so many people uh, demonize. Again, uh, changing uh, position of torso, foot, repositioning yourself in a way that avoids a potential moment of injury is extremely important. He would have never been able to do that if he didn't unload his opposite leg, drop that leg into knee valgus so that he could reposition his foot, torso, pelvis in a different direction so he could get that leg in an optimal position to apply force into the ground to send him in the opposite direction. So knee valgus, 100% necessary for athletes, but then also knowing how to reposition their body, their foot, their shin, their torso, their pelvis um, in a direction that's optimal. Uh, again, likely this is gonna happen subconsciously for the individual because they're, they're trying to accomplish a task. They, they know they're gonna do, uh, at a moment's notice, it happens in a millisecond speed, realizes he's going to do a step back. Um, his, his body is going to create a motor strategy just like that. He's not consciously aware of any of this. It just happens innately. But there's so many times that we cue somebody or coach somebody out of this, tell them they need to avoid these type of things when they're in a rehab scenario, when likely we should actually be embracing some of these movements and, and teaching and reinforcing uh, the movements in this way so that Individuals can become more coordinated, can utilize their athleticism to their advantage because it's, it's a game. They're competing. They're going to be using their athleticism, 100% of it, to be able to win the game or beat the defenders. So they're going to use every little bit of energy they have to beat that defender because it's competitive, right? And if they have this conflicting movement advice that's happened from trainers uh, working out, um, rehab clinicians and coaches telling them one thing, but their body wanting to do another thing, that's going to slow down movement. It's going to decrease speed. It's going to decrease athleticism and it's going to create confusion within the system. And that's not what we want to do. We want to be able to utilize uh, our body's athleticism to the fullest capability and then be aware of uh, how that can be advantageous for an injury reduction standpoint too. Uh, and not actually uh, demonize a movement right off the bat just by looking at it. We wanna understand why the athlete is actually doing what they're doing first and then make the judgment call of if that needs to change. 
not not jumping to conclusions trying to change movement right away or thinking that everything that i'm doing in the weight room or the rehab room is just going to magically carry over into a sporting environment because likely uh, likely it's not going to but then also everything that you do in the weight room is not always that specific to sport anyways too and we saw that with the the first movement there uh, the whole concept of the plyo step and uh, not actually uh, wanting triple extension um, in that moment um, either and especially not creating triple extension too early to apply that impulse into the ground um, but rather the impulse should have already been applied to the ground and they should be accelerating forward when that triple extension occurs so things to think about hope you found this video useful we'll be back at it again uh, with another video here coming up shortly probably next week and if you got a comment question about what we talked about put it in the comments below um, or if you notice anything else that he uh, Jordan does as you're watching this documentary and you want to kind of point it out and ask some questions about that too feel free to drop that in the comments below too hey thanks for watching hope you got a lot out of the information in today's video if you like this type of content if you could do us a huge favor by liking the channel subscribing to the channel and uh, hit that alert button so you get notified when any new videos come out your way also, if you're a rehab clinician looking to take your clinical skill knowledge to the next level and seeing how you can better help your patients, visit sportsrehabexpert.com where we got a lot more information that can help you along the way, as well as our certified sports rehab expert course. This is two courses that give you a sports rehab residency or an orthopedic fellowship type education in half the time at a fraction of the cost. So visit sportsrehabexpert.com to check out these two courses. We have the Human Assessment Mastery course and the Full Body Treatment Domination course. And finally, maybe you aren't a rehab clinician watching this video. Maybe you're someone just looking to keep an active, healthy, mobile, athletic lifestyle without painkillers and frequent visits to the doctor's office. If you're located in Ann Arbor, Michigan, you're in luck. Just visit annarbor.physio and you can set up your appointment today. If you're not from around the Ann Arbor or the Michigan area, no worries. We do a lot of online video consultation services from people all over the globe as well, too. So you can reach us at annarbor.physio or at sportsrehabexpert.com. And we'd love to learn more about how we can help you out.